0: Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan
1: I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right.
0: Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to the Coach's Corner. The sad version of Coach's Corner. I'm kidding. We'll try to keep it light. Try to try to get some information to you. Try to talk through some things. Talk through our sadness. It's going to be uh, very therapeutic for all involved. I promise. So, with your hosts Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partner with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. As I stated, kind of a. Um, Sad pod just for the simple fact that we're no we're no longer previewing any game for the for 2020-2021 the Titans as far as the playoffs go. So, uh, loss to the Ravens 2013, frustrating game. We'll get into all that in just a second. We'll also kind of cover some things coming up for the show. And uh, since your hosts are both Alabama and Ohio State, Ohio State fans, we'll get into that game a little bit too. So, lots to come on this episode of The Coach's Corner. Uh, Jonathan. I know we're a couple of days removed at this point from the game. I know that you and I both were uh, levels of bummed uh, d- discussions about what went right, what went wrong, all those kind of things. We're, we're, mentally, before we start, just mentally, where are you at right now as a human being after that loss?
1: I'm sorry, which loss? They just seem to be piling up.
0: <laughs> the Ravens loss. I apologize. We'll talk about that first.
1: The Yeah, I mean, look. Did I expect it to play out the way that it did? Not necessarily, but at the same time, uh, picked the Ravens to win the game. I thought they would be able to move the ball a little bit better, though I did think that the Titans were an okay matchup defensively. I didn't quite expect the best defensive performance of the season from them outside of maybe Buffalo a decade ago. Um, it's So, you know, kudos to the defense. You, you don't forget everything that was said or everything that's been done this season uh, on this defense. It was still arguably one of the worst defenses to ever play the professional sport of football. Um, But they did show up in the playoff game. And frankly, if you hold a team to 20 points, especially that Ravens team, to 20 points in a playoff game in 2020... Or 2021, I guess. Uh, whatever. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Then you expect to win that game. I'm sorry, but the, the offense was uh, an abject failure in every sense of the word on Sunday. So, yeah, I, I think that I'm ai I, you
0: expected it and we covered that. I think I, by Friday, Saturday, I had talked myself into it. I know, shame on me. The Titans, because of the way they've matched up with the Ravens in the past, because of how they play them on defense, my thought was that okay, the defense is going to keep the Titans in the game enough for this offense to get the job done. I was half right. And I agree with you that like it's just kind of a shame and a waste. The defense was it's kind of hard to say as good as they were, but but produced that what they did on Sunday. And the offense was almost in the complete opposite direction of what they had looked like. Very similar to kind of how they exited the playoffs last year, a little bit where it was tough to get Henry going with the run game. And then from there, so it just opens up all the critics. It opens up everything that you don't really want to hear. Uh, but maybe it's time to hear some of those and address some of those because it just, it's, it's, that's the whole point is that how do you take that next step? Because as we've said on this, this show plenty of times is it you shouldn't be in it for just, getting into the playoffs you should be able to try to not only advance as far as you can but to win the Super Bowl I mean why else are anyone doing this Why, where else are you building a team it's to try to build a Super Bowl I know you look at some teams like the Jets and you wonder are well are they doing that or those kind of things but we are where we are the Titans have kind of been in those mid you know picks for years kind of in in draft purgatory as you've called it before so it's just kind of frustrating in a year where it looked like the offense was really clicking for the most part I would say the majority of the season the off in the defense was just the opposite end of the spectrum. For it to almost to flip on its head on, on Sunday and be kind of the opposite. So you, you figured – and if you tell me that the defense holds the Ravens to 20 points, I, I, I'm Titans win 30-20 to 20 is what I would have told you happens. If you guarantee me, you can just tell me what the Ravens score. Never in my wildest dreams I think they would only score 13.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, you can sit here and say that no two seasons are the same, and that's a correct statement. Things play out differently, and you know, with COVID, everything was kind of weird this season. Injuries happen, um, but ultimately, there were years where you said this team was building something, so next year it'll be different, next year it'll be different. Look, those the times for rebuilding, it's time for put up or shut up, and you know, as coaches, you know that. I mean, yeah. you can sell something if you want, but ultimately, and I don't think Rabel's going to sell anything different. I mean, it, this season was a failure because, look, it didn't play out much better than to face the same team you did last year, only you got a home game, and to lose in the first round to that team. I mean, if you're just looking one-to-one, You can say it's not apples to apples. Well, it's about as close as you're going to get in football to apples to apples. You built a team and saying, we got to get better so that we can beat the chiefs. We got to beat the chiefs. You got to get better so you can beat the chiefs and compete with Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what? You didn't even make it to it, right? You, You built an entire team where you were trying to increase the pass rush. You saw how that worked out terribly. The, Defense never seemed to gel, and you can get mad if you want. Uh, um, Rabel talking about, you know, we put too much on a title for defensive coordinator. Okay, well, that's fine. Then why not appoint a defensive coordinator? If, it, if it's that meaningless of a title, why go out of your way to be outside of the norm and not give the position?
0: It's a head scratcher, and, and and unfortunately, as you pointed to earlier in the season, if, if everyone's been listening, hopefully you have throughout the entire season, you pointed to it that it's it's unfortunate because now you you run the risk of opening opening yourself up to your decisions and your and criticism for those decisions, and it's kind of played out that way throughout the whole year by not naming a DC. Like someone, it, it turns out apparently through what he was saying, or maybe I'm reading too much in between the lines. Basically, Shane Bowen was the defensive coordinator. Regardless, he led the meetings. He was putting the game plan together. Obviously, probably with Mike. Vick Vrabel's help, but I mean, in all intents and purposes, he was he was the defensive coordinator. So it's just, yeah, I agree with you. Why not name him? And Vrabel ran the risk of opening himself to criticism, and that's where he is. And I would say this, too. Some of his decision-making, we, we talked about last year about how he, you wanted to maybe rein in some of the aggressiveness, or maybe choose your spots better. And it, this year, it seemed like he went kind of the opposite direction in big key moments. Uh, as far we can get to the more specifics about the game in just a second, but you you brought up kind of a good point to to transition to now. Is was twenty twenty a success? And you kind of touched on it there when you're comparing um, year to year. Did they have a better regular season? Yes. Did they finally get out of nine and seven purgatory? Yes. Did they win the AFC South? Yes. However, this this didn't leave you with a fun feeling of, of this team really improved because of the way the defense played all year. And it's just, it's, it's where do you go? And then the offense getting stymied like it did. Now you still have questions about, well, is this offense good enough to compete if you can just pair a little better defense with them? So, unfortunately, there's all these questions going into 2021 for that, and it's just a failure because – Point blank, you didn't. You didn't achieve your ultimate goal, and I mean, any time you do that, I would call a season a failure. So we can we can sit here and argue about did they improve? Did they improve here? Did they find something in AJ Brown that they that he continued to improve next year? Nate Davis was an improvement. All those good things, but a team as a whole. Ugh. It, it it can't help but feel like a little bit of a failure this year.
1: It's not a little bit of a failure. It's a massive failure. It's a massive failure all to be around. Nice, oh, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm not. I mean, this is a team. <laughs> like, look, you 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 go into this off with as many, if not more, questions than you did last year. You look, you have a team that yeah, they had the the passing attack, but if I look at that passing attack, I'm gonna say. You know, they may be good next year, but you expect them to be that good again? I, I don't know. You, you obviously got Corey Davis, Johnny Smith that are going out. Um, you got the recovery of Taylor Lewan. There's there's lots of questions on the offensive side of the ball, let alone the defensive side right. of the ball. I mean, you put yourself, you talk about Malcolm Butler. From going into this season, that was a situation where you had a guy that you thought you'd get one more year out of him, then he looked like a cap casualty. But and he was arguably the best player on your defense. The entire for the entire season, right? I mean, yes, you had you had flashes from Jeffrey Simmons. You definitely can make an argument for other guys, but I mean, you let go of Malcolm Butler, that, that raises some questions. I don't know if you can afford to do it. Is a Dory Jackson a guy you can rely on to be a number one? I mean, he's only had one injury, real injury year, um, but he is a different physical presence. He has the physical ability, but. Malcolm Butler's an attitude guy, and you need attitude guys on the team. I don't think you need Rob Ross speeches in the locker room, JJ Watt, but I do think you need attitude guys, especially on defense.
0: They can kind of back it up with their field play and how they how they present themselves on the field. So I agree with you there. Well, that's we kind of uh, switched up a little bit, but that's a lot I look forward to or look back, excuse me, on the season as a whole, but just on the Ravens game specifically, just to not um, to give our opinions there. Like I said, shame of a waste of, of a defensive performance with the offense being so bad, Henry being allowed uh, our me only rushing 40 yards definitely was a problem and it definitely changed up art smith's uh, play calling there were some open going back and watching some of the all 22 there was some open routes but just not timing up uh tannahill not making the correct reads as you can see later on in the game uh those kind of things i mean we can talk about this and i want to go with this right now because we've kind of you know we we agreed with the fourth and 11 going for it because of the position on the field the situation, the time of game, and all that. And we, we, the week before, we wanted Vrabel to uh, have gone it on fourth and six, kind of in a similar situation. Well, here in this game, you're fourth and two from the 44, down one score with about 10 minutes left. I'm gonna uh, fact check me there. It's it was about that time match time left in the game. So it's in the fourth quarter. You're driving. I, keep the pressure on. You've got the the league leader in rushing. You've got a pretty good offensive line that's been pretty good. I know the Ravens have, have guaranteed they're going to. Uh, commit to stopping Henry. What a what a time to maybe pull out the, uh, the zone read to uh, Tannehill. Who knows? But my point is is that I would have rather, instead of punting there and playing it safe, I would have much rather have seen the Titans go for it. And I think the Ravens had made up the, the distance in the punt in two plays, which was very similar to the Green Bay game two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever that was. So it, it just – Again, are you still in the same – I know you are. I don't know why I'm asking this question, but, I mean, it, how dumb was that or how how disappointed were you that they didn't try to, to go for it
1: there? I mean, that was, that was essentially the game. You punted away the game right there. You played scared, and I don't understand why. Even if your defense is playing the best game it has, I mean – Read the room. I'm sorry. Right. Read, read the room. This is a defense like you, you can believe in them, but you can also believe in the offense that has been putting up week after week after week. And I'm if I'm going to you know ride or die with one side of the ball, I'm going with the offense. And you punted away that opportunity. Yes, they had other opportunities to get back in the game. But in that situation, it, it seems like the Ravens and what they were doing and the inability to make adjustments um, is something that, it, it it's baffling to me in the fact that uh, they got, they lost their identity in the game. They ultimately did. And I think the Ravens had a brilliant game plan. They also did a great job anticipating how the Titans would adjust to that game plan. Mm-hmm. And so look, wing Martindale put on a clinic on defense on how you, how you stop that offense. And there's some things we can talk about about Tannehill, but there there are some questions to be raised about what Tannehill does when this offense or offensive coordinator goes away. Because you saw there were opportunities we talked about on the halftime show where guys like Cam Batson, I think, had an opportunity to make plays. Well, you lock on to guys, and you, but you got to go through your reads. You got to give your other guys a chance, especially in, we saw it. You look at this weekend, they let the players play. They let the DBs play more aggressive, and they got aggressive and got physical with the Titans receivers. They tightened it up. And, yeah, there were some things that you could call PI or not call PI, but they called it consistently. They called it consistently not just in that game, but throughout the entire weekend they called it. So I think that that was probably a point of emphasis. And, look, the Titans just got manhandled. They, They physically got beaten at every aspect of the game.
0: Yeah, and, and you know my feeling, or we've talked about this for years about how, you know, don't let the refs decide one game. Don't let the game get to a point where you're letting the refs decide the game on, on one player, hinging on one play. I mean, I know that's kind of bad because you think, well, Hail Mary, fell, Hail Mary, could have decided the game, but I guarantee there's a lot of other choices between the start of the game and the end of the game, that could have made a difference too. So it can't be just one game. It's it's a, it's a an accumulation of all the plays. And what you're talking about there is that I think that I was probably, in our group, I was probably the most pissed about the uh, uh, Peters coming in and knocking Khalif Raymond down. Well, I think I'd calmed down by the time the, the post game show had rolled around, reminding myself that they had kind of let that stuff go. And, you know, at the same time, Brian Tannehill got locked onto that route. And it's kind of a double-edged sword, the point that you made you have to go through your read possessions. It's, it's one of the things that made Tannehill so good in this offense was his ability to make quick decisions and put the ball right where his guys, how many times did he thread the needle this year in between, in, in between crashing linebackers and, and corners or safeties to be able to complete passes, to get to Furkser, to get to John Smith, especially there in the middle. I mean, you just always praise him for able to make that quick decision and go. And on this occasion this was a chance where he makes a quick decision and it was the wrong decision and so it's magnified by the moment that it was in if that interception happens earlier in the game i mean it's not obviously well i mean this is dumb to say it's obviously not that as big of a deal because that and that essentially it did end the game um but it's just one of those things where it's magnified because of the moment but it's 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 we've been praising him at times during the season for making that same kind of decision unfortunately i just wish that there would have been a little bit of um Awareness that was going on, realizing where AJ Brown was, realizing where your main guy is, realizing what you have on the bench for, and not going to Ecliff Raymond, who's been pretty much absent all season. You know, it's just it's just kind of baffling that that's the one you that's the person you chose to lock in on for that defining play. And it was I, I don't remember the down distance, but it wasn't like it was a fourth down and an eight or a third down where it was it was this big time. It was pretty early in the down sets, I believe. Um, so I mean, it's it's just curious that he locked on to Khalif Raymond there, and then, of course, Khalif being – I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's a little guy. Gets knocked down with some minimal contact, and then Peters has an easy interception. So, it's, it's frustrating. It sucks if the flag comes out. I mean, it's what you, you tell the corner, hey, you probably shouldn't be hitting him anyway or being close enough for, to make it a doubt. But at the same time, they hadn't been calling those types of contact all game. So, I guess at this point in time, I've come all the way back around that I'm like, well, it is what it is on that play. I guess it's just kind of more of the Titans' failure if you shouldn't really have tried it.
1: Yeah, and you look at what, the, what else the Ravens did defensively. They really pinched the edges and cramped everything inside. That And what allowed them to do that was the Calais Campbells and the Brandon Williams guys that didn't play in their first matchup. And, look, not every team has the capability to do that. Not every team can do that, and that – the Ravens can, though, and they had a great game plan. They didn't let Henry get to the edges. Um, and- Judon
0: worked the edges, man. Oh, my gosh. He had a great game for the Ravens.
1: Yeah, it, it was they, they really played really good matchup football, getting uh, scheming their guys. Look, Jeff Swaim, I think, has been done a really good job at blocking this year uh, as a tight end position, but Judon on Swaim is a mismatch every day. Yep. Every he got day.
0: worked, and, and again, the coaches should have been able to recognize that and and be able to scheme something uh, differently there. We'll run something to where he's getting double help every time if he has on Judon, or, or make that call, or have something because that's just that's just a mismatch. You're right.
1: Yep. And so, look, I season ultimately is a failure you know there were some fun rides that definitely had some fun games there the the good news is that the defense was so bad that every single game was competitive and um, stressful yeah and so it'll be interesting how this team rebuilds there's a lot of shows coming up this offseason we'll kind of break down where thing where they could make improvements um but yeah I, i i have no objections to sitting here and saying that this season was a failure Yeah,
0: I think I agree with you. So let's move on. Let's let's high level this uh, just just to kind of look at looking ahead. What's next for the the Tennessee Titans as they go into twenty twenty one and prepare for the next regular season. Obviously, there's major questions on both sides of the ball as far as free agents. We'll get to that in just a second. But I want to start with, because this is the coach's corner, I want to start I want to start with the the coaching things that need to change. And I'll go with, obviously, mine first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, is that I think that, obviously, you need to have a plan right now or start planning for what Art Smith's replacement is going to be if he leaves. And he's interviewing for, what, six or seven? I think he's interviewed for five of the seven vacancies. I'm not, I haven't really kept track. I know he interviewed with Detroit, Atlanta. Um, I'm probably missing. I know he's, he's had a lot of interviews, and he's the chances of him getting a job, possible. So you need to have, start having that preparation. And honestly, I've seen a lot of out there that people are wanting to fire. If, if the, the, the opinions out there just blow my mind sometimes. Fire Vrabel give Art Smith the head coach just to keep him on the staff. Um, You know, fire Smith because he was terrible, which I don't get. Uh, Yes. He might've struggled uh, from play to play at times and definitely struggled on Sunday as far as game, you know, uh, game planning in game. But as a, He's been a pretty good offensive coordinator this year, and especially when you pair him up with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, he does a pretty good job for the most part. So I don't necessarily want him to go away because I don't know what's going to be replacing him and how that's going to look. And it wasn't like he was just awful that I want him replaced. So I think you just have to kind of to, to monitor that situation, have a plan. Do you want to keep the same offense with the personnel that you have built right now? Do you want someone who can maybe incorporate a little more openness to the offense and what i mean by that is a little more spread with a little more uh uh, quick game passing attack to kind of to also take some of the uh short yardage game or or where you're gonna get your short yardage stuff to try to set up to stay on script away from always having to run henry those kind of things like so it'll be very interesting to see what they have there but for you what is most important that you think they need to look at i mean i'm giving you a softball here as far as what they need to do coaching wise or coaching availability
1: well, I really think the quality control coach um, <laughs> is an area now. I mean, look, they, regardless of what you do, you have to address the defensive side of the football. And I, I'm not on that sideline, so I don't know the dynamic between Shane Bowen and Vrabel and whatever they had worked out. Um, but I can tell you from how that will be viewed, if, he, if the only change they make <laughs> is that they promote Bowen and give him the title of defensive coordinator, that, I mean, I don't think anybody's getting excited about that. That's I think nope. that's the most likely scenario, um, but yeah, I mean that you set that up to where you've kind of hamstrung Shane Bowen and how he will be viewed, um, and by not giving him the title last year. I mean, even if he if he you gave him the title last year. And he had the same season. There's going to be a lot of people calling for his head. It's going to be even – but I think you could almost sell, you know, hey, it's a new system. We're going to let him learn. There were other issues going on. There could, You could scapegoat somebody else. But he, promoting him, that's a different story. Like, that, that's a completely different story. And so, uh, look, they got to do something on the defensive side of the ball. And you don't want to be reactionary, but as bad as they were – you have got to have answers you have got yep. to come up and i whether if you want to say that it was you know Hazlitt and the inside linebackers if you want to say that it was the the change at the db's coach whatever you want to go with there have got to be changes there and you have got to address it
0: got to be answers i mean you can't have the defense that went that was where they were the year before and have them completely take the steps back that they did without answers or without a plan moving forward. I mean, other coaches in Titans' history have been fired, or the rumor is they got fired or was replaced because they said they weren't they weren't going to make sweeping changes to a side of the ball that needed sweeping changes. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that you're talking about. Uh, real quick, just before we move on to the free agents, drafts, all this kind of stuff, uh, who is your coach of the year uh, for the Titans this year? Just off the top of your head.
1: I mean, I got, you got to go with Art Smith. I mean, you could go with Keith Carter because uh, the, all the o- overturn that he dealt with, with the injuries, but it, it's hard not to go with Art Smith.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, for me, I'm going to go with Keith Carter because I don't think that, uh, and I agree with you on Art Smith uh, 100%, but Keith Carter is coach of the year for the Titans for me because of what you just mentioned, the adversity and the overturn that he had to deal with throughout the year at your arguably – I'm going to call it second most important. I mean, it's most important in, in the passing protection for sure and left tackle, but center to me is always going to be the most important position on the offensive line for the communication and everything there. But he had to deal with that. He also had to deal with, with slight injuries throughout the year to uh, Ben Jones a little bit. Um, Roger Saffold was dinged up. So there's a lot of guys going He got Aaron Brewer ready to go. The tackles were ready to go. Now, granted, there was plays here and there like, oh, yep, really missed LeJuan, But
1: Yeah, he also didn't develop a first-round pick.
0: Well... I'm not. I'm not blaming anybody other than the scouting department for, for <laughs> Isaiah Wilson. At this point in time, there were some major red flags there that were missed at some point, or maybe they weren't. Maybe this is just one of those cautionary tales that sometimes, excuse my language, shit just happens, and I hate that because I was actually excited as I excited for Isaiah Wilson about what his potential could be. Now I just don't think he has a spot anywhere in the NFL if, if this is the way he's going to act and how he's going to treat. Him. And, you know, dev- devolving here, going into a different way. All right, so worst coach of the year.
1: Uh Well, I can't give it to the defensive coordinator because apparently that doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, I think I, if I'm going to go with the uh, worst coach of the year, that seems a bit harsh. But I think just the overall regression from the inside linebacker yep. position in, in Hazlett, and that may be being too harsh on Hazlett. You, you never know why, but Evans definitely regressed. Jayon Brown before injury, he regressed. David Long... And it may not be that David Long, I thought, played okay when he got in there. But the problem is, is that how how was he not playing at all before him? And I know. I know, I know, you want to sit there and say that he it, it did not contribute to special teams, and that's fine, that's a fair assessment. But at the same time, like that, he, he was easily your most impactful inside linebacker, and you didn't play him for half a season.
0: If I thought Rashawn Evans could rush the passer pass successfully or could be an improvement there, I would say move him down to edge and, and find a way to get long and brown in the game at the same time. Obviously, the uh, free agent decisions may prevent that. Direct combination, but you know that I'm just I'm just if if Evans is going to regress with the pace he has, then he's done at middle linebacker. He can't play it for, in the NFL, and he needs to try to find a way to contribute in other ways. But you know that's neither here nor there um, as far as the coaching is concerned. And maybe it is. Maybe maybe he just has it was so bad, and I agree with you that it's just Evans just was lost. So we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. with That hopefully they'll address uh, the defensive coaching side as a whole. I don't think a whole lot needs to happen with the offensive side as far as just the coach staff, other than obviously what do you do if Art Smith leaves, promote Keith Carter, uh, look from the outside to come in, those kind of things. But the defense, I really, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if there was three or four uh, names or changes with position, that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, You alluded to it, though. I did as well. Free agents coming up. uh, There's 27 roundabout, right as it stands right now, uh, free agents on the roster, whether to be unrestricted, restricted, or exclusive rights free agent. So the Titans are going to have to make a uh, decision on, you mentioned a couple of them, John O. Smith. Seems like the whole tight end room with Michael Pruitt, Jeff Swaim, uh, Anthony Furks are in some level of free agency. Uh, Kahari Blasting game, I throw him in there as well because of the H back fullback position he plays as well. Uh, but the big ones: Corey Davis, uh, Johnny Smith, obviously Corey Davis, Gian Brown. Uh, what do you do with Des King, the the late addition to the Titans this year? Davian Clowney, obviously, was on the one year. Daquan Jones, just to name a few, and the list goes on farther from there because there's a lot of guys. Uh, I wish I will say this before we get into analyzing it. I wish at the very least they would find a way to bring uh, Darren Bates and maybe will Compton back in a capacity even if it's not a, as a role as a player but as like the hype up coach or like the uh, social media like player I don't know it's just that those two guys are personalities you like having on teams I, I I do think that you could get you possibly could get better when you, it comes to having Compton as a rotational piece uh, but the special teams obviously Darren Bates did contribute there a little bit but again Darren Bates brought so much to this team to what he does on the sidelines as far as you know, look look for good play Find Darren Beach on the sideline. He's going to be reacting in some way. And he's going to be getting his, his teammates up for after that play. So, hate if he, if he leaves again. So, he's, he's a big part of that. You know, so it's just, where would you be right now with seeing everything? What would be your preference about who they would bring back from what you saw from the team this year? And and who would you say with automatic, you know, get out of here. Don't even try to sign him.
1: I mean, if you're looking at guys that you're not even going to try and sign, I mean, I think you have to have a conversation about pretty much each and every one of them because uh, everybody has a value. I think Corey Davis may price himself out. I think he may have an opportunity to go make a, quite a bit of money there. Yep. Um, and the, the unfortunate thing is you have nothing of real substance behind him. God, I don't know. So yeah, that's a, that's a, a kind of a glaring hole. So I, I'm not I, I won't say that there's anybody that you're just letting walk, but uh, with Corey Davis, you got to be real cognizant about if you are letting him walk, you better have a plan to bring somebody in, whether through the draft. and now it is a very deep, very deep uh, draft class for wide receivers. So you can get value there. But, I mean, I still think you could use a wide receiver even if you did bring Corey Davis back. So yeah. uh, I, I think that, I'm not going to say a name, but I'll say that position. that That, you know, Z receiver position has got to be addressed.
0: Yeah, and there's some name, there's some interesting names out there in free agency, or, or they could be had in, in certain situations. So I mean, Allen Robinson's been mentioned here recently as well. Um, so there's definitely some guys out there. And, and I, I, yes, I, for that position, if, especially especially if you let Corey Davis walk, that I, I'd hope that they would sign someone and draft someone to try to come in and compete because you've got some guys that could be on their way out, in Westbrook, Hakeen, uh Khalif Raymond that that, that played. At certain parts and, and were uh, contributors as far as playtime, you know, that they were trying to count on. And those guys, I, I honestly would hope that you could replace those guys through the draft and free agency and then find a way to keep Corey would be great too. But, you know, Jayon Brown being up, Des King, Daquan Jones, let me just touch on this uh, from my standpoint. He's at that age. He's he's getting to the age to where it's like is how many years has he had left? I think he I think that he had a great season. Now you have to you have to benefit this as he kind of disappeared once Simmons kind of started disappearing in a way. If his injuries keep catching up with him, conditioning I don't know what it was there towards in the season. So is Daquan a product of a beneficiary to having Simmons next to him, and do you let him walk because there's some interesting defensive tackle? Um, Prospects, Barmore, if you watched the National Championship game last night or Monday night, uh, is very intriguing. And he's been linked in a couple mock drafts I've seen to the Titans in that first round, which I think would make a lot of people mad given the position but my point there is that that's interesting what do you do there what do you do with Jadavian Clowney could you bring him back on the cheap because of how his season went because it wasn't like he was producing stats wise before he got injured and then he only played half the season so what can you do there Jack Crawford obviously and that, there's a lot of interior and defensive line that you're talking about there as a linebacker that contributes to those pass rush and run fits that you've got to try to find a way those are three names and you're going to try to go out and possibly replace those with other free agents and drafts that's, that's a lot Lot to replace in in one area of the team so, so something's got to be done there and getting a little creative there as well but what are your thoughts on on Des King
1: I like Des King I think he's a little bit limited uh there and you got it I think his future will be kind of determined on what you think of Malcolm Butler I think you got I think you pick one um I, I don't think you keep both and so you got to figure out which one would you prefer to have, right. and what did you think of Christian Fulton? You had a just a great rookie draft class this year, so you got to really evaluate all of them and determine <laughs> if you have any value whatsoever. Fulton got in some playtime, time, but uh, yeah, not I, enough. I
0: mean, just based, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, based on based on everything you said there, I'll, uh, what I'm hearing is that yes, we will have content over the off season and plenty of shows to discuss all those questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we'll get more to that. Just just wanted to point out that that looking forward that there's a lot of decisions to be made in free agency here. There's so a lot of things that could be done at that 22nd pick. Do they move up? Do they move back? You know, there's. we'll get into all that later on some, in some later shows as we get closer. As more um, information comes out, more decisions are made. It's kind of hard to predict with all this sitting in front of you when you look at all the names. And th- that doesn't even get into, like, the, the the other guys who are who are role players in, in Joshua Kalu, Matt Dickerson, Jamil Douglas, uh, backup offensive lineman Nick Dunsbar, uh, if I'm saying that right. I still don't think I've ever said his name right. Uh, Chris Milton, Ty Smith, you know. It's just guys, Marshall Newhouse already thinks he's gone, so he probably is. So, But there's just a lot of names there, a lot of interesting things, and a lot of decisions made for the Titans. It's going to be interesting to see where they go to see if they can get some improvement um, off this last season, which, like we said, on the whole was a was a failure. So we'll have some content coming up for the season. Also, to kind of uh, say what we're going to be doing, Coach's Corner, We still will have the podcast throughout the off-season. We're still kind of building out what exactly that's going to look at. We'll talk about moves as they happen. We may, you know, to have enough content – we may not be producing a show every week like we have been throughout the regular season. We may be able to collect information and be able to do every other week, that kind of thing to be able to bring to you like what happened in free agency, the coaching moves. We'll also probably talk about coaching moves around uh, the league. We got into a little bit, uh, if you listen to us back in the taking into the house days, we would talk about that kind of stuff, college pros, the movement of coaches, decisions, those kinds of things. So a lot of that to be going on. We also did a lot of draft stuff. I'm not sure how deep we'll get into the draft. As we stated when we had him on as a special guest, we made have Justin Mello on a little bit to talk about some of his favorite prospects he's been reviewing and kind of talk through possible targets as he does. He interviews a lot of guys. He has a lot of good input there. And he'll have those articles on the uh, website as well. Uh, And he'll have have some of those going. So look for that as well. So we'll just have a little bit of everything coming forward in the offseason. It just may not be every week. I don't want to stress that enough. Uh, But if you have any questions for us, obviously out there, if you want to hit us up on Twitter at Ryan on Broadway at jb on broad for jonathan just let us know or at coaches on broad just let us know uh, what you questions you have if there's anything we can do we'll also have some other off-season content as far as the broadway sports media is concerned as well as far as we're still kind of developing that and talking through all that so a lot of good stuff coming there uh, that's kind of a look forward uh, jonathan what do you want to see out of the show moving forward um bachelor talk
1: yeah, I mean, I think we can just become a bachelor <laughs> reaction show. So, I mean, the new season just started. So, give them. You got any favorites? Uh no. No, I Not think yet. that there is uh, one that, that is. You, they always have the person they insert in there that I'm pretty sure nobody actually wanted there, but they just want somebody dramatic. And it's funny, they go into the first, you can almost predict it. They're always on the chopping block the first night when they're going to get rid of somebody. Yep. And the most predictable thing is 0% chance they're getting rid of that person. They're going to keep them around regardless. I, I, I can't imagine that the person who's actually looking for love is sitting out there saying, oh, that is the person... But the producers gotta be like, you gotta keep them. Gotta keep them. They gotta make they gotta make it halfway through. We
0: got a show to sell. So We gotta have some we gotta have some uh, tense moments. We gotta have some back and forth. And I don't wanna hear anybody out there shaming for any any television. Uh, just just for in fair play. My trash TV that I enjoyed thoroughly back in the day was Jersey Shore. I couldn't get enough of it. It's a terrible TV show. They're terrible people. I admit all that. I it's a train wreck. I couldn't I couldn't uh, break my eyes. I, I, the only reason I probably don't watch Bachelor is because my wife never has, and it just never, it's never on for me. So, but I enjoy listening to the breakdowns between a couple of our friends who do watch it with their wives and just the, the, the drama that goes on with it. So yeah, maybe some of that talk will come along. We'll, we'll see. We may become a, uh, a way to get the uh, pop culture podcast back up and running and cover some of those things. Um, what I'll say though, is before we close out here is that your, your, your hosts have our uh, college football fans as well. And for only the second time in the amount of years that I have known you, Jonathan, uh, Ohio state played Alabama in the playoffs. No less. This is the second time they've played in the playoffs. And for years, years, you've been able to, to hit me up with a undefeated against Bama. Want to know undefeated against Bama, uh, one and one now, buddy.
1: Yeah. We're really more of a wrestling school. (laughs) I mean, the best part about that is at least, uh, we don't, uh, have to go live in Bama. Yeah,
0: well, neither do I. So, I'm, I'm in I'm in Tennessee, so I was able to avoid some of that. And Alabama has some beautiful parts. that's just at the northern part of it, which is closer to Tennessee, and the, the part that the ocean touches. Uh, you know, so – but, no, I love Alabama. I'm from there, obviously, growing and raised. But as far as the game goes itself last night, I, I had a couple thoughts on it afterwards, just, just watching, because I, I was worried to death all, all, all week. I did, honestly – Uh, The Bama defense isn't what it has been in the years past for a couple years now. They played really well last night. Ohio State was clearly – Justin Fields was still banged up. That dude's a warrior. Kudos to him to to compete like he did. Uh, You had the news before the game, a couple guys out on the defensive line uh, out for COVID uh, for Ohio State. I mean, you just wanted to avoid some of that news and have everybody's best shot. I mean, I don't care who you are. If if, If you don't want someone's best shot, when you're playing in a championship game, then that, then you're not really wanting that championship game, in my opinion. So I really wanted to see the best shot from Ohio State and Bama to just go out. It looked like we are getting that early on as well. But the thoughts I came away with, if, just as a Bama fan, is that I kind of now think that I would have loved to have seen this, this year's Bama team versus last year's LSU for just the offensive output uh, that would have happened, and that game ending up being 66-62 to 62 or something like that, and just the back and forth of what those two – because, I mean, in the past two years – in my memory, these are two of the better offenses as far as efficiency that I've seen in, in, in quite some time. At least as a Bama fan watching SEC football and judging offenses coming out of the SEC, um, and I and, and a little controversy here. I actually think that for what Alabama likes to do and how they run their offense here the last couple of years, Mac Jones is a better quarterback for Alabama than Tua. I have my problems with Tua. He was great arm talent, but he fell in love with some of the deep shots. And Mac Jones doesn't have the arm talent, but he. He's accurate and he makes the decisions, and the, and call him the game manager. And he little he, he, he is a little bit, but he makes all the throws and he and he is able to do the checkdowns and do what's asked of him. And he just made this offense go. And Devontae Smith. Enough said there. But as far as Justin Fields, man, I've already said my thoughts. I a warrior. I hope for nothing but success in the NFL. As an Ohio State fan, what are your thoughts watching him last night? He obviously, to me, wasn't what he had been or up to 100%. Um, what, do you, what What were your thoughts from the game, and what do you look for him in the future?
1: And I think as far as you know the game, I don't see how you go into that game. And I've always said that regardless of anything else, I can take one player away. Outside of an impact quarterback, I can take one player away. Now, I may have to make sacrifices to do it. You may run for 300 yards on me, but I can take one player away. And the fact that they came in with zero game plan whatsoever on how to scheme away Devontae Smith, um, I mean, frankly, based on the offensive planning and their game plan – Bama spent more time on Devontae Smith and how to scheme him open than Ohio State did on how to take him away. And that is an indictment. It's funny because all these people that have been clamoring, we should have kept Kerry Coombs here in Tennessee. Uh, Well, that was a bad showing. That was a pretty bad showing and just this general lack of preparedness whatsoever. Um, You know, he goes and gets hurt, but he may have, you know, ended up with 500 yards receiving. And so ultimately – Look, the Sean Wade experience was uh, left a lot to be desired. Their inability to adjust away from him at the outside corner position. Look, in college, look, there's no true shutdown corners in the NFL. And I think, you know, Jalen Ramsey is probably as close as you're going to get. And he, and he is spectacular. Um, but in college, you have those guys that you truly just don't throw at whatsoever. Ohio State thought they had one. They do not. And it's been that way all season. And so their yep. inability to adjust from that, uh, that, that was a gl- glaring, you know, black eye on the game last night. Justin Fields, he had to be the best player on the field for them to have a chance. He didn't play bad. He didn't play spectacular. And so ultimately, Bama just wears you down.
0: Yep. And out there, if you want a treat, uh, I can mention something that will set Jonathan off. Hey, Hey, what's your thoughts on press coverage without actually pressing the man?
1: I mean, it's uh, it's not getting into it. Especially especially if you don't even try to get your hands up. Like, why are you standing there? What we There's literally zero purpose for you standing a foot away from the receiver if you're not at least going to try and get hands on him. I, I don't understand. Especially, it's like me going, I might as well be going and uh, trying to have a race with uh, Justin Gatlin or Usain Bolt out there. It's just waiting to get beat. I don't care how fast you are, let alone if you're Sean Wade, who, don't get me wrong, a great athlete among normal people, but if you're talking about, he's not going to test in like the one percent. So it's, I don't know, it, lots of issues all around. But yes, press coverage pet yep. peeve. I don't know what they're doing. There was a fumble
0: early on that that kept the game close uh, closer uh, when it was going on. That Ohio State got when they when they were able to come off the edge when Bama was trying to boot and the uh, edge protection couldn't quite get out there. If you go back and confine that play, and you want to watch a treat. Watch watch Devonte Smith get off on the coverage and be screaming open and just burnt Wade from the get-go and they're very lucky that they're able to get the Mac as, as soon as they did because it was going to be it was going to be ugly on that play and the safety was rolling over to the other side of the field whoo that, 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 that would have been bad for Mr. Wade and he got there was other plays he got burnt on too so that just would have been one more but it, you know obviously I didn't expect the game to be what it was um, maybe I'm just I, I was nervous or whatever as a Bama fan, but it was definitely a good game for, for Bama. They had a great game plan. Sark, uh, it, on to Texas now. and Texas fans should be very happy with what they're getting, especially if he can bring some of those offensive uh, schemes that he was doing with Alabama late. He had his issues in the past, and so we'll see how that works out for him. Best of luck to him. He called a masterful game, in my opinion, last night. To your point, Kerry Coombs not really adjusting to any of that. It was, it was a detriment, and, you know, definitely, especially with the coverage, uh, which was supposed so, most to be his forte, so a lot to lot lot left to be desired there. Um, so that's it. I mean, we had our we finally got to watch Ohio State versus Bama game together. We didn't get to watch the first one together, so that was a treat for us just from our friendship and from the show. Just want to talk about it a little bit because I think I was not really nervous about the game. I didn't expect it to go that way. You seemed like you expected it to go the way it did. Uh, maybe I should have been a little more uh, open minded as far as what my what what the Bama uh, team could have done. But it is what it is so we've gone probably one of our longest shows in a while uh just to close up the season i am sad the 2021 our 2020 season's over I was, I was really hoping to see a little bit more of a run from the titans uh i don't know man i know you're disappointed but do you you have any any hope leading into or any parting words for the for, for titans fans out there any hope that you want to give them leading into next year
1: we're on to 2021 we're on to
0: 2021 in closing that's going to do it for the coaches corner this week part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcast articles and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTM. Like I said earlier, check out the show at Coaches on Broad. Check out Jonathan at JB on Broad, myself at Ryan on Broadway. Until next time. We out. See ya.